Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And I do hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarrens with The Good, The Bad, and The TV on the Believe Podcast Network. It's the number one podcast network for professionals. Now let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1999, when the term Y2K compliant is all the rage. It's the year that director Stanley Kubrick, film critic Gene Siskel, and first son John John, John Kennedy Jr., each pass away, along with not a small amount of civilization, as politics continues below the belt in the wake of the President Bill Clinton impeachment and acquittal. 48 million people tune in to watch Monica Lewinsky's blow-by-blow account of their affair in a Barbara Walters interview. 1999 is an excellent year for drama on the screen, too. The Sixth Sense, The Matrix, The Green Mile, Fight Club, American Pie, Phantom Menace, American Beauty, all big hits. And a new movie term is coined this year, found footage. It makes the Blair Witch Project the sleeper hit of the summer that it is. In 1999, the Dow moves past 10,000 for the first time. Napster debuts. The United States completes its turnover of the Panama Canal to the Panamanian government. And 36-year-old Tori Murden becomes the first American and first woman anywhere to row across the Atlantic alone. On a dark day in April of 1999, the country stands still because of what unfolds in the small town of Littleton, Colorado, at a school called Columbine High. It's the day that a pair of teenagers take guns to class with death on their minds. They kill 12 fellow students and one teacher before killing themselves. It's a very, very, very sensitive day everywhere no less so than in the world of network television. Though present-day standards and technology are such that the word has reduced meaning in the 21st century, in 1999, the major television networks still orbit around the word sensitivity. It's been a guiding standard since television itself became an advertiser-driven medium back in the 1940s. They're not always successful, but in general, the networks try to be mindful of what they show and how and when they show it to stave off both embarrassment and bad PR. Even in a pre-social media world, bad publicity is still bad publicity. So a network strives to avoid being shunned or shamed for putting on something that makes them look foolish or that makes viewers feel uncomfortable. In late 1963, for example, there's a last-minute scramble behind the scenes of The Dick Van Dyke Show. An episode filmed and ready to air contains a throwaway joke said by lead character Rob Petrie when he's given a pet turtle on the shell of which has been painted a small portrait of his family. We look just like the Kennedys, he says. Soon after the episode is filmed, but before it airs, John Kennedy is assassinated. It's decided that either the scene or the line should be removed from the episode before it airs in December, which is just weeks away. Producers opt to keep the scene, but with a new line dubbed in, somewhat clumsily too, for those who want to know it's there. Rob Petrie now says, as long as this turtle lives, we'll be immortal. 
its irony in its own way as well. The unwritten default standard here and through the decades, avoid bad taste. Does anything we have scheduled to air seem insensitive to air in light of a particular high profile current tragedy? Four years before the events at Columbine in Littleton, Colorado, Fox TV wrestles with a very big taste issue related to a city not that far away. At the time, one of its most popular shows is Melrose Place. As the September to May season winds down, network executives and producers are eagerly awaiting what will be the soap's most ambitious season under cliffhanger in its three-year history, in which one of its characters blows up the entire Melrose Place apartment complex setting of the show. A spectacular explosion sequence is planned. It'll be one of those classic who lives, who dies season finale scenes. But 33 days before the special airing of this episode, the nine-story Murrow Federal Building in Oklahoma City is blown up by homegrown terrorists. 168 people died, many children among them. It's the biggest story of 1995, the biggest story of the decade so far. Melrose, we have a problem. Titled The Big Bang, the two-hour episode can't not air. There's a ton of money and collateral involved already. But the final scene can't air as is either. That would be the definition of bad taste, even a month after the Murrow bombing. It's decided that the finale will end not with the actual explosion, but instead with the bomb's detonator being pressed and the screen then fading to black. The impressively executed explosion sequence is saved for the season premiere in September. Thus, Fox avoids what would have been a public relations nightmare, unintentional though it may have been. Trivia alert, the episode ends up airing on September 11th, a date that achieves its own infamy six years later. I see the taste issue play out firsthand throughout my days at CBS especially in those early years. In the fall of 1994, my boss comes to me and reports that we have to pull from the air a made-for-TV movie scheduled for that week. It features a plane crash. But there's a real-life headline in the country at the moment, a plane crash in Pittsburgh. Off the schedule it comes. As the years go on, it falls to our department to do this a fair amount, to evaluate whether or not to air certain pieces of programming that may inadvertently connect to high-profile breaking news. Plane and train tragedies, celebrity deaths, Princess Diana's car crash, Oklahoma City, and of course, 9-11. That leads to the scrubbing of stuff all over town everywhere. For CBS, it means the rescheduling of the Emmy Awards, yet another pulling of a TV movie that features a plane crash, and editing out an explosion scene from one of our new drama series. In each case, the question asked of the handful of executives in the current programming department, which is the area charged with overseeing the 20 or so series currently on the air or in production, and thus closest to the content, is the same. Is there anything about any of the shows that you oversee that would be seen as insensitive to air in light of what's breaking on the news? There are current programming departments at each of the networks getting this question. On April 20th, 1999, in offices all over CBS, just like in living rooms, offices, bars, 
airport lounges around the world. CNN plays. The Columbine massacre unfolds. The death count stuns. There's a specific piece of footage that CNN plays over and over. It's that line of student survivors, hands on their heads, being escorted single file from the police, from the school by police. It's playing on the TVs in each of the offices of the five current programming executives that I visit around noon this day. One by one, I ask them, is there anything about any of the episodes of any of the shows you oversee that would be seen as insensitive to air in light of what's happening in Colorado today? Each of the first four executives I speak to have reviewed and signed off on their various episodes of the shows they cover. Scheduled for air this week and next. Nothing that would make the network look bad. Then there's Nameless. He's relatively new to CBS, but not so new that it explains the following, a story that I swear always makes me feel like I've made it up out of whole cloth every time I tell it. Spoiler alert. I haven't. Nameless is my last stop of the afternoon. I appear in his office doorway. He's at his desk, talking to one of our interns, who sits across from him on a couch. CNN plays on the TV in the corner. Greg, I say, I mean Nameless, I say, is there anything about any of the episodes of any of the shows you oversee that would seem insensitive to air in light of what's happening in Colorado today? His facial expression tells me he's thinking hard or that he has gas. I'm never sure. Nope, Nameless says, none of the shows I cover. You're sure, I ask. Yep, he says. I say thanks and I move on. I make it about five feet before the intern's voice stops me. Hey, Jim, she says. I walk back to Nameless's doorway. The intern looks first at me, then at Nameless, then back to me again. To each of us, she says, there is that episode of Promised Land. Then she looks at Nameless again with a sense of, remember, tell him, urgency on her face. Promised Land is a family-friendly drama that we air on Thursday nights about a family that navigates the country in their RV going from town to town to see America and inevitably, because it's in the script, to help out strangers along the way. The eyebrows on Nameless's face shoot up. Oh, right, he says, nonchalantly. Yeah, that might be a problem. I ask, what might be? Well, he answers, the latest episode is all about a school shooting. There's a blank look on his face. I stare at him and then at the intern, then back at him. I say nothing. Oh, adds the intern, punctuating the silence. You know, the episode is set in Colorado, too. Yeah, says Nameless, that too. Zero affect in his voice. I think to myself, yeah. That too. I stare at Nameless. I ask when the episode is scheduled to air and he tells me Thursday. As in two days from now, I say, that Thursday? As in this Thursday? He says yes. I see that CNN is replaying the single file footage again. Greg, I finally say, I mean Nameless, I finally say, I think that in light of the real-life school shooting today in Colorado, it might be considered insensitive on the part of CBS to air an entertainment show about a school shooting in Colorado. And then I say, can we swap it out?
Let's hear it for interns. More than just the normal two hips array, too, because it's the intern, after all, who further saves the day a few hours later when she comes to me to report that there's only one other episode of Promised Land that's finished and ready to air. But there, too, there's a problem. It features a school-related shooting. I think to myself, what the F kind of family-friendly drama is this show anyway? But she also points out another problem. Nameless has left for the day. She's unsure of what to do with it from here. CBS airs a repeat episode of Promised Land this week instead. The school shooting episode, ironically titled A Day in the Life, never airs on CBS. Ever. And Nameless no longer works at the network. You gotta believe. Hey, send us some questions and feedback and suggestions on Twitter at Believe Podcasts or at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. That's also where you can get some information on advertising on any Believe show, including this one. Find and download The Good, The Bad, and The TV on Apple, where you can subscribe and rate us, or Spotify, where you can follow us. Also, just plain listen for a new drop each Thursday on these sites, or Stitcher, or TuneIn, or Illuminary, or Google Play, or other words that I don't know. Be sure to like the show all over your social media, too. I'm Jim McCarrens. We'll talk again. Promise. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.